this is going to be a solo episode, so let's get Bijou her alligator. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Tyra Vera. This one's going to be a solo episode, though. Um, you know, I, uh, I have guests, and I have them already recorded, and you guys will get to hear them over the next several days because I'm just going to be putting them out. But there's a lot of people that on the Las Vegas comedy scene that I just want to chat with. And it's it's like you get to hear a lot of my opinions and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just good for me to talk one-on-one with my true botherinas, my day ones, as some people would say. Just catch up with you guys and let you know where I'm at on things. We're in the, the thick of the quarantine. So, you know, uh, we just got informed a couple days ago that uh it's april 1st so we got informed a couple days ago that they were extending it out to april 30th i believe and so um none of us are too pleased about that you know because everybody wanted to get back to work but at the same time i mean like i know i definitely have i'm at peace with the way that things have to play out and i understand why it is we need to stop um, the, you know, socializing and do the social distancing and stuff like that. I do practice it. I am vigilant, but at the same time, I do see people, um, you know, my best friend, there's certain people that I have to see in life and I'd rather die than not see them. So I go out and I take my chances. I risk my life to go say a hello and all of us are practicing social distancing. Like, you know, I feel like with combined efforts, it's good, you know, because you do, you are more aware. You stay a little bit further away from each other. You adjust. There's not, I don't give out any handshakes at this point. I think everybody should know handshakes are not the thing right now. So just let that go. But, you know, then there's also the part of me that feels like, this is something nature created and i know that people love to be like this is a conspiracy and it's the government and you know i don't know what's always in charge of what or i don't always know whose hands nature is coming from but I do very much believe everything happens for a reason. And however this happened, it happened. However it's been spreading, it's been spreading. And this is just the Earth's way of correcting itself or correcting what's been going on, what we've been doing to it. And I think in a lot of ways, whether people realize it or not, they did manifest this. This is something that people have been wanting. And, you know, it's like law of attraction. It's like everybody's been saying this. And also time with your families. Like this is giving people time with their families. There are so many people that are really connecting with their families. And I think that that's a good thing. So I don't think like this all has to be looked at as the worst thing in the world. Me, myself, I had always been wondering about, you know, the gym. And I know that's a silly thing to wonder about. But just like, do I spend 
spend too much time at the gym? Could I get just as good a workout at home and also use my time more wisely if I wasn't driving to and from the gym and then spending, you know, an hour and a half, two hours at the gym? Uh, Like, I've wondered this, but there was no way I was going to test that out because I'm such a creature of habit that I know I would not have stopped myself from going to the gym unless I was just going in the way like not working out, which at that point you're not running the experiment. And so at this point, I don't want to like be out of shape. I don't want to not work out. And so I've had to find ways to adjust. Like I've been doing jump rope and I've been doing body weight exercises and trying to do handstands. And I get better at those every day and I'm still not perfect at it. But I see my body changing in a way that I'm liking. And it's in a natural way because it's just from me moving my body and holding certain positions. And, you know, it's... I don't think this has to be a bad thing. You know, I, I just don't. And even when it comes to people dying, that's very unfortunate. But it's the way that nature works. And that's what bothers me is people act like you're being mean or you're being insensitive when you say that. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that I think they should die. And I'm not saying that I think they deserve to die. And I'm not saying that I think that, you know, their life decisions should make it so that they do die. But at the same time, if these things are taking like when it even comes to myself, like this is how arbitrary I think it is when it even comes to myself. I am a smoker. I'm about to smoke a cigarette right now. I've got a cigarette in my hand. I smoke cigarettes and people have told me how unhealthy it is. And I know and I know the facts and I know everything that you should. But I just smoke cigarettes and I'm not going to stop smoking cigarettes. So if this means, you know, because I am in a higher risk category at that point. If this means that that's the trade-off, maybe I'm the kind of gene that doesn't need to continue, you know, or even have a chance to continue. Maybe nature will decide that I'm taking up too much space and I'm polluting and this is nature's way of correcting that. Okay, so I'm dead. You know, I'm not going to pretend like that. My parents are both in, you know, the age group and it's like... Yeah. I mean, like, I would hate it, hate it, hate it. I love my parents. But at the same time, you can't pick and choose the way nature works. So you just have to learn to accept that in certain ways. And yeah, you take precautions and you try to protect the people you love. You try to protect yourself. You try not to spread germs. But at the end of the day, you're not going to live in a bubble. Like you do have to go outside. You do have to interact, you know, like there's the FedEx people that are dropping stuff off and, uh, you know, and yeah, some would say that's essential. But some of us would say if we're really talking essential, no, it's really not. The person even driving you your food, your DoorDash person that you're so proud of yourself because you got DoorDash, technically that person isn't essential. You could eat without ordering food. So while everybody's patting on themselves on the back and being like, this is who we look down on, there's somebody else that could be looking down on you. And I, I personally choose to go the route of not paying attention to what other people are doing in that way. Like I watch what I'm doing because that's the only person that I can really be in charge of is me. And so I make sure I'm washing my hands. I make sure I'm making certain or taking certain precautions. I make sure that I'm not shaking hands with people. I make sure the distance that people stand from me. People ask to use a lighter all the time or now it's slowed down. But when it first started and it was just like, you know, I made that mistake one time because my thinking was, okay, if I hold the lighter for this lady, it was a lady that asked. And I was like, if I hold the lighter for this lady and light it, then I don't get her hand germs on my lighter. 
And so I went to light her cigarette and she cupped my hand with both of her hands. And I felt like, bitch, you just defeated the purpose of me lighting your cigarette for you. Like I would. And so I've learned now just not to get in close contact with people six feet, six feet when it comes to people on the street, that kind of stuff. But, you know, my friends here are more like my family. So, you know, I went to hang out with the Brunchies crew the other day and uh, I they're on the other side of the table that they um, what's it called things to um, that they pass things across and set things on, you know, for people to pick up their food because they're strictly curb. You just go pick up your food. And I stood a distance away from the table and they were, you know, like back back towards the garage door. And we were definitely social distancing, you know, I mean, like I'm cool to be as cautious as I should be. But at the same time, I'm not going to not see people that I consider family, especially at a time like this, you know, where. We don't really know what's going on and we are all kind of hanging on to each other, which is also a good thing. You know, I mean, like that's not something that I'm having trouble with, you know, like um, I don't want to say use the word using because that makes it sound like using. But um, let's just use the word using because like for me, it's just, you know, it's not about words. It's about intention. So if you think I'm saying I'm using my friends in this case, then you feel free to be that dumb. But uh, what I'm saying is, like, you know, using your friends in the way that you need them, you know, like, like, this is the way I can lean on you, you know, or this is the way you can lean back on me, or this is the way that we afford leaning on each other, you know, or we, we don't feel like we've like we're being uneven friends, you know, like one day you may need me for something like maybe something just like company or a phone call. And then maybe one day I need eggs from you because I couldn't find eggs. I don't know if it's gotten better at the stores, but for a minute you just could not find eggs. So it wasn't like I needed eggs in the way like, you know, oh, I'm down on my luck. I can't afford eggs. It was in the way of I just literally can't get eggs. And I'm such a creature of habit, like I mentioned earlier, that I eat eggs all the time. And so I don't like to be without eggs. And so, I, you know, I reached out and a couple of friends responded. And now I have more eggs than I need. But I eat eggs all the time. So I definitely will eat the eggs. But I just have plenty of eggs. And so, you know, it, the, the, I get over, not overly frustrated. I get very upset when I hear about the people that are, um, hoarding and I know that that started to slow down and I'm thankful that that started to slow down because it's it's such a problem you know like the the shortage that we're having even on cleaning supplies and stuff like that is really just being created by people panicking and that's not helping anything like those to me are the worst people in any kind of high pressure tense situation the people that panic it's like you're sucking up all the oxygen right now because you're hyperventilating when really you should calm down because we're just in this so let's look at it like a problem you know like a, a problem that we can in some way be logical about and let's come up with solutions. Let's not just suck up oxygen just to suck up oxygen. There's a lot of people that need oxygen, just like there's a lot of people that need toilet paper, just like there's a lot of people that need canned goods, just like there's a lot of people, like I saw the way people were shopping, you know, because I was casually getting my stuff because I felt like, one, my stuff's either going to be there or it's not, 
And the other thing is, one way or another, the universe will deliver to me what I need. And I'm not trying to be sermony or anything like that, but that's really the way I look at things at this point in my life. Like, I know that I haven't recorded a lot of episodes, but, um, you know, like more recently, but I don't think the average person would understand the amount of just personal growth I've had in the last year even. Like, a year ago today was when my um my ex we broke up you know my silly boyfriend who was at the time my silly fiance and i really did love that man and i know that i wasn't the best in that relationship just in the way that i was so stressed and i couldn't like be in the moment and it wasn't like now and i i see the different points where I messed up because I don't think you learn anything from being in a victim mentality, you know, from being like, oh, that asshole, he did this and he did that. I don't I don't really feel like you learn anything from that. It may feel good to you and your friends may encourage you, you know, maybe like, yeah, girl, fuck him. That's what he gets. You know what I mean? But really, if you really look at it and you're like, OK, where did I go wrong in it? And yeah, there's places he went wrong and that that pops in my head, too, where I'm like, OK, well, this is where he could have handled that better. And this is where I could have been a little more like, you know, encouraging of dialogue or, you know. But at the same time, it is what it is. And it happened the way it happened. And I feel like, like I said, everything happens for a reason. That relationship was not meant for me. So, you know, when that happened, was that hard for me to accept at first? Yeah. Yes, it was hard for me to accept at first because I really had planned like when I asked him to, you know, marry me, I was not being at all just like, you know, um, not taking it seriously. I figured, you know, when he said yes and he was my fiance, one way or another, we would figure everything out, you know, even after everything went down the way it did, which if you know the story, you know the story. If you don't, then, you know, catch up on one of the old episodes. It's only like three or four episodes back. I think it's called The Breakup or it. It does like let you know so you can listen and catch up you know I'm not going to go through it again because it was what it was you know it, it, it was the end of that relationship is the most important thing and you know I was a little bit overweight especially for me at the time a lot overweight for me at the time like somebody fat shamed me at one point and I gotta say I don't really think that was the worst thing in the world. And I didn't suddenly now that the shoe's on the other foot, because, you know, if you know me, I'm a notorious fat shamer and I'm not going to take time to apologize for that. You know, I have fun with it, but I'm not mean to fat people when it comes down to it. And especially one on one. And I'm not making fat jokes when they're but every once in a while, just a fat joke random doesn't have a victim in it. If you take yourself as a victim, that's on you because, you know, I legit got fat shame to my face. Well, kind of a side of the mouth comment by somebody. And at the same time. It was true. I had gained weight, you know, and I was wearing a shirt that doesn't didn't fit me. And that's something that they said that I was busting out of my shirt or I, I was wearing a shirt that didn't fit me. And then but also that same person when I lost weight, because I lost weight in record time. Like I was like, yeah, my boyfriend called me fat on the way out. That's not going to stay true. And so I went ahead and lost that weight fast. And when I lost that weight, um, I saw that person and he was the first one to outright say, you look beautiful. And he did say it in those exact words. He was like, you look beautiful. And I said, thank you. And I knew it was legit because he had fat shamed me before. So you can't always get mad when people and also like you got to remember a lot of the people that I deal with are in entertainment and that's Las Vegas entertainment. And they're more like your 
kind of a product, which I don't have a problem with that thinking at all. You know, if somebody that's in any kind of position tells me that I'm a little bit fat or it's like it's kind of telling you you're not being marketable right now. Let's kind of tighten this up a little bit, you know. And so for me, I didn't mind that at all. Um, but I knew that I, you know, had to get it in check when I heard it. And that was the plan either way. And, you know, like there was a bit of a mess and me having to figure things out. And I say that I'm so thankful to the Las Vegas comedy community because I don't think people really understood like the way that the whole community just reached out to me. Like people were just offering to help me. And like, thankfully I didn't need a lot of help. You know, the bookings were very helpful because of course money coming in helps, especially when you lose a partner, even though he wasn't able to, you know, help out financially. Like, you know, you still panic. You're still like, you know, but I kind of did have this person, you know, that at least was there for moral support and, you know, could, you know, he did contribute, just not not much at all. You know what I mean? There were the here and there's where he was able to help out a little bit. And, you know, like, I don't even hold hard feelings about any of that, or I don't say that in any kind of catty way. Just facts are facts and things were what they were, you know. Like I said, I'm, I'm very honest with myself about, you know, the way things went down, you know, but I don't really obsess on it or think about it anymore, to tell you the truth. It's like I, I think these thoughts or thought these thoughts, I told you guys about them because they actually happened at a point. And then, you know, they, they just go to the back of my mind because it doesn't really matter for anything. You know, what matters is right now, you know, I've had other relationships in between and I've had quite a bit of fun on Grinder, and, you know, an open relationship that I was in not too long ago with a guy that I referred to as the beast on social media. And that, you know, felt very real too. It actually was very real. But at the same time, it didn't really last. And, you know, that lasted like six weeks. The relationship I had before that was like four or five weeks. And, you know, I, I really had fun being in love with those people. And, you know, and it really was love that I was in with them to varying degrees. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when that's done, the best thing they can give me is my freedom back, you know, because it's like, you know, some people would think like maybe, you know, I can't keep a man like that kind of thing. And it's like I, that's exactly the point. I don't want to keep a man. I want someone that wants to be around. You know what I mean? I don't want to keep trying to figure it out or let's try this. Let's do this. No, it, it either it either comes out of the box the way I need it to and you know is very malleable like we're both very malleable because i when it comes down to it i know people think like i would be a difficult personality or something like that really my problem with relationships is that i don't do any of the things that people would expect you to do or want you to do in the way of like you know i don't really get jealous in the way of being jealous i don't like being lied to and then that will make me like a weird because once a person lies to me it's just like there's nothing good that can happen in the relationship anymore because I just don't trust them anymore you know and I don't mean like not telling me about a Christmas gift that they got me or you know what I mean not, not like petty shit stupid like you know I don't know what a surprise is or that kind of stuff but just like you know where I realize, you know, or like lie by omission is a rough one, too, when you're like, oh, but, you know, like that, you actually could have told me or should have told me, like, you know, sooner. And now I appreciate you being honest two or three weeks later, but at the same time, 
it's not really being honest because you didn't tell me back when it was happening. Like stuff like that happens. And it's like, you know, then it's just not good for me to be in the relationship anymore because I'm on the road so much, you know, not right now, clearly. But when I'm really making stuff happen and having to pay for stuff, you know, I'm on the road so much and I don't have time to keep tabs on anybody and I'm not going to ever hire a private investigator or try to like, you know, let me really see what this person is doing. Or I have all my friends have lives. Nobody's going to drive by and see if there's, you know, plus I live in an apartment building. So if you see a car in the driveway, you know what I mean? It's a parking lot, not a driveway. So what are you going to do? Tell me about every car that's there. And I'm going to say, uh-huh, uh-huh. That one doesn't live here. I don't know what's going on there. You know, it's just not what I'm going to do. So I really do need a lot of that kind of honesty when it comes to being in a relationship. And if I'm not getting that, then, you know, I have to move on. And so these are things that make it for me. Um, so I don't like the Vietnamese pretty boy that I dated. I loved him and he was great in a lot of ways. And he really made an effort to be with me and around me. You know, he was uh, around Christmas time and, you know, he'd fly in and we'd hang out and, you know, we'd spend time together. And it was, you know, that was a cool little thing while it lasted. But in the end, he played too many games and it was like, yeah, I don't really care about what you're doing right now. I care about the fact that you're trying to play games like you're not just being outright with me. You know, it's not what I need it to be. And you're just not in the place to really make that happen. You know, I think he really was. And I don't mean this in a rude way either, but just not mature enough yet. And still more about like clubby life. And to him, having a boyfriend was like a cute thing to have. And he could tell his friends he had a boyfriend and we would do stuff together. And but and then when it came to like actually being a boyfriend, he wasn't necessarily going to be the best at that. You know, he wanted to play games. Some some of the younger guys, you know, they they want to live sort of like they're in a reality TV show. So it's games of trying to make people jealous and being like, you know, kind of dramatic about things and blow ups. And, you know, I'm I'm just not about that at this point. You know, I don't have time for it even though you would think I have time for it. I don't. I don't want to concentrate on that kind of stuff. I want a peaceful life at home. Like, when I'm here by myself, a lot of times I don't even have the TV on, you know. I don't even have cable. I have smart TV, and I watch YouTube stuff, and once in a while I watch Netflix. But there's only so much stuff you can watch on YouTube and so much stuff you can watch on Netflix before you get like, okay, well, I've seen enough of that. So I really don't, you know, it's it doesn't occupy a lot of my day. Then I have like a rule where I'm not really supposed to watch TV while I eat. Every once in a while I'll be watching something on YouTube like Philip DeFranco show or Tim Dillon's podcast. Like I watch that on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, Abraham Hicks, the teachings of Abraham Hicks. That's the other thing I'll listen to sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'll be in the middle of making my food and I'll be watching one of those and, you know, I'll just sit down with my food and watch it after all. But for the most part, I have this rule where I don't watch TV when I eat because the thinking on that is you're supposed to just enjoy eating your food because as you're eating your food, like your food is kind of downloading into your body for lack of a better term. And it's not like that dramatic, you know what I mean? But if you think about the way stuff incorporates into your body, that's undeniable, you know, it becomes a part of your system. That's why you are what you eat or you have to watch what you eat. And so 
you know, there's certain just certain ways that I live where it it makes things like peaceful for me and it makes it so my life makes sense. And when somebody comes into my life, then they either have to like adjust to my frequency or I'm going to have to, you know, get them out of there. And the fact that, you know, these people are close to what it is I would need, but ultimately not exactly what I need is a good indicator, a good indicator. But at the same time, it's not anything I ever want to be actively looking for. Like I'm not looking for a relationship. I know one will happen, uh, even if it's another temporary one, just because that's the way my life works and love is fun and love is good and love does motivate you to do things. Like from each relationship, it's like I have gotten like, a, okay, well, this is what I need to work on myself. Like, you know, not necessarily a relationship thing, just a thing about myself that I'm like, okay, because you usually do hate in other people what you hate in yourself, you know, like that, that does tend to be true, at least to a certain degree. So it's like, okay, if I'm still drawing guys, pulling guys that are, you know, going through this situation, then maybe that's something that I need to look at within myself. You know, why is it I'm encouraging this? Why is it I'm, I'm promoting this? Why is it I'm drawing this in? You know, like, and to some of those questions, maybe you're not promoting it, you know, maybe you're not, um, but you're definitely still drawing it in. So you got to figure that out. And that's more the way I go at things, you know. So I don't see every breakup as like this huge loss. And as far as, you know, like when I used to get super like upset with people and stuff like that, like, you know, there was a couple of Facebook reminders not too long ago, like Facebook memories on this day, you said. And, you know, it's like and I read them and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't care about that even a little bit at this point. Like, you know, there's people that I've talked about on this podcast where it's like, you know, we've had really bad experiences on the road. And I see those people, you know, one of them in particular here in Las Vegas. Well, no, actually, pretty much every one of them except for one, you know, has been here in Las Vegas. And so, um, you know, I don't care about that stuff. Like, it's not something I want to hold on to. I don't want to continue to be mad at these people. Really, I wasn't mad at these people to begin with. With these people, and I know this is going to sound real dad-like, but let's just face what age I'm in. I could be a dad, you know? So sometimes I do get disappointed in people. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed because in every one of those instances I brought up, what a lot of people don't realize when people are like, he's just hateful and he just gets mad at people. No, it, what you don't realize on the, like, I guess the kind of the, the low key end of it is I was providing all of these people opportunities and I was hoping that they would actually take advantage of the opportunities because you know, it's not like I can offer a lot, but in this business, you don't get a lot of breaks. It's just the way it works. You know, people, you know, if you're lucky, you get the right breaks. And I have had some kind of some of the right breaks. And, you know, but like I know that opportunities aren't always around every corner, especially if you're not, you know, like hooked up with the big headliner or something like that already. So, you know, I offer opportunities that can get you future work, logically future work, you know, like when I was on the road with Joe Coy, it was great. And he introduced me to everybody he could possibly introduce me to. But 
But because he was at Joe Coy level and not at the level he's at now, because now everything's selling out and huge, huge. You know, the guy's going to be breaking records before, you know, if he isn't already breaking records, records already. Um, you know, and Joe Coy, I still have a very good relationship with him for anybody that's wondering. We don't talk all the time by any stretch, but that's because neither of us are that type and especially not me. If you know me, I'm not going to be on your phone unless there's a reason for me to be on your phone. I don't really send a lot of text messages just like that every once in a while I'll send a stray thing if I haven't seen you for a while but even that becomes less and less the less I see you but you know um when I worked with him it was you know he was introducing me to all these people and you know but because he was already at Joe Coy level and starting to sell stuff out it wasn't like I could really logically work for a lot of these people like he introduced me to Dee Burdett from the Hollywood Improv like every introduction every introduction introduction uh, every introduction that he made to me I will tell you was beneficial to me in some way and I never was like oh he's just wasting my time or anything like that I always appreciated it but some of them I couldn't capitalize on because they weren't necessarily going to have me headline their club but you know you never know who's going to like you how much and who's going to be able to do what for you and who's going to move into what position so it was always greatly appreciated but the difference between that and what I do is in a lot of cases I'm bringing people to stuff that they can logically end up headlining or logically end up working in the future you know and so when these people have like gotten on my nerves is a good word for you know a lot of what's happened in my experiences with people on the road when I brought people on the road it's been more like a you know just come on and it was always about like professionality more than uh more than like the emotion of it like a lot of people hear me talk and they think because I speak with emotion that that's the way I'm making my decisions and in a lot of cases it's really not the way I'm making my decision Really, my decision is being made on how professional a person is behaving. And a lot of people don't realize that unprofessional behavior in comedy is like, you're not going to yell at me. You know, I am the headliner. I am technically the one above you, your boss, for lack of a better term in this situation. And I'm the one that in the at the end of the day. On these kind of tours, you know, there's not like a road manager. It's not like a big operation. So, yeah, I like it all falls on my shoulders if things fuck up because I'm the headliner and I'm the one that's ha supposed to have the most experience and I'm the one that's supposed to make sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, you know? And a good feature or a good person that I go on the road with will help me keep that in check. Like Garrett Hall is a person that I continuously go on the road with because Garrett Hall is good, be good at being like, okay, you're not good at this part, then let me handle that part and I'll make sure that we get here on time. I'll make sure that we, you know, that I paid attention to this, paid attention to that. Like, yeah, you can get in when you, where you fit in and you can definitely be helpful. But if you at any point start taking away or start, you know, turning because I can do that part on my own like that's the other thing like I have to do it and have had to do it for a long time so you know if the person isn't like Garrett Hall if the person is more like you know just uh, like I'm just here to work type of person I can work with that too but when you start being unprofessional that's when I start getting like okay you're not really worth what's going on at this point and yes I will be honest at that point things will get on my nerves and I will start to get very short about everything because I feel like okay there's a good chance I'm gonna have to finish this out without you because really I'm not gonna put up with a certain level of unprofessionalism if you're forgetful like I get it you're forgetful but at the same time 
don't ask me to now put extra miles on what I'm doing because like if you can handle that yourself, I will not give you a problem with it. I will not. But if you feel like you need company to go ahead and handle that, Aaron, Aaron, because you're forgetful or that kind of stuff, that's not what I'm there for. You know, um, when me and John Hilder were on the road together, uh, we went to Sarasota, Florida. And this is how cool of a headliner I am. Um, he went to he was in the other city uh, or, you know, we, we fly into I don't remember what city because it's cheaper. You know, and that was a tip I gave him because I will also give you tips and tell you things I do to save money, you know, when I'm on the road or when I'm going a particular place. I'll also try to make sure that we get on the same flight, you know, either there or home, you know, either there or home so that I can, you know, take you to the airport at that point. Um, John Hilder flew into the other city that we're going to be at in Sarasota, Florida. I drove like the 45 minutes to an hour from Sarasota to that city to pick him up the day after I had landed. Now, technically, I could have been like, take an Uber, take a bus. I don't care how you get there. Just figure it out. But I will fully work with you because, in my opinion, that's what it's supposed to be like. It is supposed to be like a team. So if at any point you start acting like we're not a team, then I start getting like, okay, then I don't really know why it is I'm trying to help you out right now. And I feel like this is doing more to hurt me than it is to help you and I'm not going to choose you over me you know what I mean it's it's like that kind of situation and I think in a lot of a lot of situations people haven't really gotten that about me and sometimes I haven't been the best at presenting because sometimes I do speak with too much emotion when I'm remembering it and it makes people think that I'm being overly emotional or I might have been being overly emotional or I might have been being petty and it's just petty isn't really the way I think you know I've heard people like use that adjective to describe me at different points and like you know there were times where I presented in a petty way I can definitely admit that but petty is not like a driving force for me like oh I just love getting back at people all day long and doing like catty little shit technically if I don't like you I don't want to be around you and I'd rather never see you again so if I do anything quote-unquote petty at the end that's probably to let you know or to make sure that we're both clear that this relationship is a hundred percent run its course and done and um, in that way, I don't mind separating from people, but I find that I have to do that less and less the pickier I am in life. And it's just something I've learned to start doing. I've learned to look for red flags because in a lot of cases I haven't looked for red flags. And that's something that happens to me, you know, in my personal relationships, like I was talking about when I'm dating people in a lot of cases, I will get a little bit too, um, too just caught up in the just I assume that things are you know that what's coming out of their mouth is what they genuinely mean and what they're really trying to say to me and I'm not necessarily looking for red flags but then afterwards you know after like you know the breakup or the argument then then I get a lot of the like oh yeah that's that did happen and he did say that but I didn't ever pick up on it because I wasn't necessarily looking for it you know and that's another thing I don't really get mad at myself when those things happen because I don't want to be looking for red flags you know and eventually God or the universe I always say that kind of stuff like you know God or the universe for me I always say God personally if you want to know how I talk but I always try to say God in the universe when I'm talking to you guys or when I'm talking to my YouTube channel because I feel like it's more inclusive and I don't mind being inclusive in that way because I have so many friends that, you know, like I have friends that are atheist. I have friends that, you know, are outright 
um, hate religion, you know, don't believe in God, like, you know, that kind. I, I don't mind how anybody thinks, you know, I'm not ever trying to be like, everybody needs to think like me. And, you know, God is how everything happens. And that that's just the way my brain works. But I feel like God will show me, like, make me see the red flags. Like, like I said, eventually I do see them. It's just on God's time, you know. It's just more like, oh, okay, well, maybe I was meant for, to be in that relationship for six weeks. And that's when I found out, and that's when I cut bait, you know. And maybe I was meant to be in the other one for four or five weeks. Maybe the other one a year and two months, which is what it lasted. You know, and maybe everything does happen for a reason that way. So I'm not going to try to, you know, quote-unquote play God and figure everything out and be ahead of everything and live a guarded life. And I don't do that in any aspect, you know. If I was to do that, I wouldn't even be doing stand-up. Like, you know, I've been to so many places that people were worried about me. Even my parents were worried about me. There were even times in the beginning when I was really worried about me. You know, when I first headlined, it was Hiawatha, Kansas. And I had to do 45 minutes, and I didn't even have 30. And my friend Vanessa, Vanessa Davis... I don't know if, you know, she has a different last name now or anything like that. So no disrespect, Vanessa, if that's not the last name you go by. But she'll always be a friend friend to me because um, I want an excuse to be in uh, Kansas. I wanted to be in Kansas because I had family in Kansas and I just really wanted an excuse to be in Kansas. And my friend Vanessa was from Kansas, and she had mentioned that her boyfriend, you know, Mike DeBay, who's a good friend of mine, um, she had mentioned that she he was going to Kansas, so they were going to Kansas, which is where she's from, and that she was able to book him a couple of gigs. She was like, I just have the gift, the gift of gab, so, you know, I was got him hooked up with some paid stuff and I was like yeah well I'm looking for an excuse to be in Kansas so please if you can get me a gig in Kansas so a couple months later I was like I just need an excuse to be there and so a couple months later you know and this is when I was a new comic working two jobs at the time you know uh this was really like when I was coming up coming up you know and I could barely do like the 30 minute spot I was featuring which is a 30 minute spot you know you do a 30 minute set but like I could barely eke out my 30 by doing crowd work and you know like all sorts of stuff and not crowd work crowd work but just you know like a little bit of riffing a little bit of talking to the audience but not skilled crowd like but you know I was doing really well you know when I would go up but I had had so little experience with that and so um, she comes to me one day at the Bliss Cafe and she's like I ended up getting you a gig she's like I'm it's in Hiawatha Kansas which I'm in, from Kansas and I don't even know where the fuck that is she was like probably some bum bumfuck town and then she was like but anyway she was like I got you booked as the headliner instead of the feature because it doesn't pay shit anyway headliner only pays two hundred dollars and feature pays a hundred so I figure you might as well do the extra 15 minutes and just get the uh, the extra hundred dollars and I was just like in my head like oh my god no what did you do like I can't even feature but you got me booked to headline and I was dying on the inside I was just like oh this is not gonna go well I'm gonna embarrass myself I can't 
headline. But at the same time, I knew that she was coming from the most sincere and pure place in the world. She was just trying to help me out. And she did have the gift of gab. And she did make good on her word, even though she didn't know me anything. You know what I mean? She didn't owe me anything, but she did make good on her word. Just she said that she would find me something in Kansas or try to find me something in Kansas. And she did find me something something in Kansas. And that's where that joke comes from about, um, you know, that uh, I perform in rooms that are so white, white and rednecky. Sometimes my act doesn't even feel like an act. It feels like a really long suicide note. It came from that gig. And so I got there a day early because I'm terrible about planning. Like I said, that's why I let Garrett Hall handle that. Know your strengths, know your weaknesses. I got there a full day early to Hiawatha, Kansas, you know, and so I get there and I don't look like any of the locals at that time. I have a half blonde, half uh, dark brown, uh, half mohawk. And I my lip is pierced and I'm as gay as I ever was. And uh, I show up and they let me stay in the hotel, you know, and I would like asked them, you know, I don't remember how I asked them or whatever, you know, if I could just pay after since I'm going to be performing at the club. I'm not going to leave, but I just need to make that money before I can actually pay them for the extra night. Because obviously I'm, if I'm staying for an extra night, then I have to pay for the extra night. You know, they pay for the night that you're performing. But if you get there the day before, they're not going to pay for your hotel. And so, you know, I knew where I was supposed to be staying and I knew that it was part of, you know, like the the lounge of that hotel motel is what it is kind of I think it was called the Pony Inn Express was the name of the actual spot somewhere I have video of it and uh so I get there a day earlier I know the locals are nothing like me at all you know it's not like I blend in any way in Hiawatha Kansas and I just know that I'm gonna die I know that they're literally gonna kill me like this is something I know I'll tell you how much I know I was going to die. Um, well, let me tell you some of the things that were stacked up against me. My cell phone wasn't really working the best because I had a T-Mobile Razor. And for some reason, T-Mobile was having real problems with the Razor. I don't know exactly why. Maybe it was T-Mobile's coverage at the time. But there were a lot of dead spots. Most of Hiawatha, Kansas tended to be a dead spot. One of the dead spots was also my hotel. So I didn't know if my phone was going to be working while I was doing this set that I was supposed to be doing. Because if it didn't work in the hotel part, it might not work in the bar part, the lounge part. So I just knew they were going to kill me and I would have no way of calling anybody or anything that I could do. And so I packed up my car so that I could leave immediately after the gig. Um, and I parked my car in front of the doors. So if anything went wrong, I could run out. Little did I know the stage was situated in the back of the room, which made it so if they did hate me, I was going to get pelted on the way out. You know what I mean? They were going to be able to really have at me because it was a long way from the stage to the door if it wasn't going well. And, um, you know, the guy that went up before me, I can't remember his name. I wish I could because he was very funny. His name was Dustin something. And he just fucking rocked it, killed it, killed it, killed it, you know. Um, and uh, like while he was on stage, I was just thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? I'm not supposed to be a headliner. I'm not supposed to be here. And I was like, you know, I uh, my stomach was in knots. It was terrible. And, um, you know, then I had to go on. I had to go on and... Uh, 
I ended up fucking killing it, you guys, for real. And that's not even a lie. Just fucking smash that fucking room. And I was doing crowd work, and I was just, you know, I let Jesus take the wheel at that point. And it really was a great, great set. I didn't have trouble following the feature after all. And like I said, he was very funny, and I was sweating it and stuff like that. I did my full 45 minutes. I got the light. I got off stage. Um afterwards they said that you know like the the guy at the bar because i told him you know about my room and stuff like that and the the bartender was like don't worry about your room for the extra night we'll go ahead and take care of it and yeah so they didn't charge me for my room the extra night i didn't get charged for the room period and then i got to visit my family in kansas and it was just a good good situation and that's why i say like you know I don't regret being the kind of person I'm I am because I feel like you know I do actually absorb my lessons even if it seems like I'm a little bit foolish in the way that I go into things or maybe I look before I leap in a lot of cases but I don't really want to change as as I get older and as I learn more I do you know learn when it's worth the leap or not i get better at whether or not something is worth the leap you know or how far i should leap but at the same time it feels good being me and it, and i don't mean that in like a braggy way i mean that in a way where i feel like god and the earth do teach me my lessons and i do actually absorb them and I do learn to be appreciative of the moment that I have right now, you know, like the quarantine. I mentioned that, you know, or the lockdown or whatever you would call it at this particular point. I don't know what the exact term for it, um, shelter in place or whatever it is we're doing right now. You know, even that, you know, I'm liking I wanted a pause. Like when I say that everybody manifested it, I mean, me included, you know, like a lot of what's happening. If I really think about it. I asked for it, you know, I was a little tired of being, well, not a little tired, I was tired of being on the road, you know, and I did want a moment to like figure things out and maybe be able to relax a little more, that's why I took all of February off, you know, I was pretty much off all of February, I wasn't working the road at all, you know, and I, I knew that I'd be running it a little closer to the bone at that point, but I knew I was working in March, and I knew the date I was working in March, and I knew that I had like 12 days lined up after that in March, and shout out to Ron Heron, and uh, Heron Entertainment, The Bird, yup, the Brewery Comedy Tour, a shout out to him, because you know, he definitely put me to work and we had gotten a pretty good little argument, me and Ron. But I don't know. I like the people that you can really run up against every once in a while. It doesn't happen. have to happen all the time. And at a point, it does become an unnecessary drama. But every once in a while to, you know, clash with somebody that you actually do shit with, you know, because Ron Heron has made me some money and I've made him some money, too. So it's not like, you know, we're a fruitless friendship. And sometimes when you're, you know, both doing your parts and able to do your parts, there is a little bit of fuck you and yeah, fuck you, too, because you don't actually need each other, even though in a lot of cases you do work better together. So, you know, like, but even that to me is like, you know, nominal. It's a nominal fee to pay for an actual product, you know, but even with that, I learned my lessons and I pay attention and I'm like, okay, where was I ungrateful or where was I maybe not being, you know, the best in that situation? And, you know, 
But the point of that part that I was saying was, you know, I had the work that I was supposed to be doing and I had the um, 12 days where I was lined up. So supposed to be working that then I was supposed to record an album, um, which was for an actual label. And I think I'll still wait on that announcement just because, you know, it's since it's not happening right now, um, but contract signed and everything like that. It's not like, you know, any kind of question about that. But, you know, we had the date already. It was supposed to be April, the first weekend in April when I was at Looney's Comedy Club, which I loved, Looney's Comedy Corner in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I Shout out to Eric Hawkinson. Absolutely love that man. He's somebody that's always been good to me. The whole staff over there, everybody, you know, including Lauren, Lauren Lee, who doesn't work for them anymore. I met him there. And, you know, we're still friends to this day. He harasses the shit out of me on Facebook. But, you know, thankful for those people, all of them. But, you know, I knew that I was going to be working. So I was like, okay, this is all great. This is, you know, I can take February off. But really, was I ready to go go back to work? Not really. I I felt like I kind of needed a pause still, like I said. So now I'm getting it. And I'm not going to complain that it's here. I'm not going to suddenly be like, you know, oh, I wish I had done this differently. I wish I had done that differently. No, I'm I'm all right with the choices I've made and the things that I've asked for. And now it's my job to actually show that there was a reason that I was asking for this break. There was a reason that I needed this pause and I wasn't just going to be wasteful of it. And even though I'm not doing everything on the schedule that I necessarily would want to do it on right now, I do feel like I'm doing it in the right order and I do know the progress that I'm making and the way that I'm making things easier for myself and the way that I'm getting organized and the ways that I have been using this time even up until now which we're like nine days in I think is what somebody said officially we should be nine days in probably 10 days in by the time this comes out but you know I'm not regretting the way things are going right now and I I do like seeing what like who turns out to be the people that I actually do want to be around and I do want to spend time with and I do want to talk to on the phone and I do want to, you know, keep in contact with while things are like this, you know, what kind of energies do I want to rub up against? Because some people it's like, I really do love them, but I know they're more the panic mode type. And it's like, I don't really want to talk to you right now because I don't want to be in that state of mind. I want to continue to be in a optimistic state of mind, which you know, people probably don't really equate me with optimism optimism very much, but a lot of my life has been based on optimism. You know, I would have killed myself if I was younger, if I didn't think that, you know, somewhere that there was going to be a place that I could actually be me, you know, even just being gay, you know, could have been just the worst thing ever if I hadn't, you know, I mean, like I grew up in a time when it wasn't okay to just come out like it is now. You know, and people weren't just going to get shamed into accepting it. And your parents didn't have to give a fuck. And they could turn you out in the streets and everybody would be like, well, they deserve it. They don't want to live right. You know, they want to be out there having sex with men. They want to be, you know, living the gay lifestyle. That's not something everybody was going to condone back then. So, you know, like, you know, if I hadn't somewhere in me thought my parents are eventually going to accept it and I'm going to be okay then I wouldn't be here now, you know, and like I said, I just learn my lessons, I stay optimistic, and I stay unbothered, you know where to find me if you want me, everybody, have a good day, I absolutely love you, love you, enjoy the rest of your quarantine.